episode is sponsored by award-winning book, Spirit of the Woods, the story of a young woman's encounter with Bigfoot by James Allen Ross. Hey, boo things. It's your girl, Rebecca. And Lily. And you're listening to Just Schooly Things. Ooh. Hey, boo things, and welcome back to Just Schooly Things. And we are your beautiful hosts, Rebecca and Lily. Hey. So you guys may be wondering why we haven't recorded in over a week. And Lily, do you want to explain why we have not recorded in over a week? Yes. And I'm so excited to tell you guys that Just Ghoulie Things, Rebecca and Lily, the Ghoulie Girls, are going on vacation to the one and only Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando. That's my horn that I'm making the sound of. I'm so excited about this. Like, it's unhealthy. Boo things are taking over Disney World, and I am so excited. I haven't been there since I was 18, and I am so ready to hit Epcot and do the drinking around the world with my best friend. Like, I am. Yes, and I'll be eating around the world with my best friend. Oh, it's like the dynamic duo. Like, Disney World does not even know what's about to happen. Uh, Yeah, Hurricane Ghoulie is about to. Honestly, Hurricane Boothangs is about to hit the shoreline of Walt Disney World. I'm so excited. Oh, yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a fun one. Without further ado, Lily, do you want to explain what we're going to be discussing on this week's episode? So this week, we will be doing some spooky, kooky, ooky funeral, funeral director type encounters. Yes. And um, this is Lily's idea, which... I don't know why we haven't done this topic yet. I, right? I, how have we not thought about this? Like, come on. That is like the like center of all spooky kooky happenings. I, I, and I, I don't even know how I was sitting on the couch and I asked my mom, I was like, because <laughs> I texted her, I was like, let me ask my mom what we should do. And she was like, I don't know. And then she was like, what about haunted cakes? And I was like, what? And she goes, I don't know. Isn't there a haunted cake or something? And I just... Took it upon myself to think of something and just funeral stories popped into my head. But there were so much on it. We definitely probably will do a part two. So for now, mm-hmm. um, we will be, yes, funeral stories. I don't know where I was going with that. I just want to add that the same breath that Amy was hired to come up with ideas for our podcast, she quickly got fired because haunted cakes, <laughs> Amy? Really? <laughs> What am I? I don't even know what it meant. I was like, "Are you talking about cakes coming to life? Are you talking about like bad omen cakes?" Like, when she was like, "I don't know. It just seems like a thing." If you or someone you know has a haunted cake experience, please email us at justglowingspodcast at gmail dot com. And you, I have to plug it because I'm dying to know. At this point. Even if you don't have a haunted cake story, just send us in a fake story to make Amy feel better about this recommendation. Yeah, we have to keep Amy's spirits up. Yes, literally. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. All right, Lily. You want to start us off this week? Sure. Okay. So this one is by uh, Accomplished AD4858 on Reddit. And it is called Subtle and Not-So-Subtle Encounters at the Funeral Home. So this one has two stories and a little background. It says, for the past four years, 
I worked as a funeral director and embalmer at two different locations and separate buildings. Names omitted for privacy reasons and to keep intact my anonymity. Jesus Christ, Lily. Um, In my line of work, of course, the nature of the work would be unsettling to most, especially the aspect of the tasks completed on the descendants themselves. As an embalmer, I've performed some gruesome actions, all for the betterment of someone's loved one's appearance and their expectations during the viewing during their visitation period. I'm telling you all of this to set the stage that I'm not scared easily from the unsettling and I have a rock-solid stomach that could handle any smell or sight that we come across that any embalmer would see at some point. As there are two locations I frequently visit for my work, I'll be labeling them one and two just for simplicity's sake. So here we go. First location. Coming back from a death call at a hospital at 2 a.m. into a 130-year-old funeral home seems creepy enough to most, but it's the reality that most people don't realize is a fairly uncommon occurrence, is a fairly common occurrence. First major encounter happened sometime after I arrived to the funeral home and starting my normal embalming procedures. During the procedures, of course, I'm not paying extreme attention to my surroundings of the room, but I had noticed just a nuisance of a chill that wasn't as normal as I had embalmed many times before, and I had never noticed anything like it. I just shrugged it off and continued on. After I had completed, I walked into the casket showroom, which is directly next to the embalming room, and flipped on the lights. In the corner next to the end of two caskets was a black mist that had seemed to dissipate into the corner of the room. Plain as day in the fully lit room, I was absolutely rocked by this realization that me and the decedent were not alone in the funeral home. Someone had been watching me the entire time. The second occurrence was when I was leaving one night around 11 p.m. after a long day of death calls and funerals. Every evening when we leave, we go from room to room to make sure every light is off to save on the electric bill. (laughs) Same! Um... (laughs) I had sat down in my car and looked up into one of the rooms on the second level and noticed a lamp was on. I decided to not go back in and get it in the morning. No big deal, right? Yeah, I wish. (laughs) The specific room was the location manager's office, and it looked as if the light was emanating from the middle of the room. Just some context. The lamp in question was originally owned by the location manager's wife, who has passed and also went through the same funeral home he worked at. Okay. So, hello. I mean, who do we think this is then? He had brought it from home to use there in his office because it was no longer needed at his house. The next day, I went up there to check on the room and turn the lamp off. Only problem was that the lamp emanating the light from the night before was sitting in the middle of his desk not even plugged in. Mm. I was the first employee there that morning and no one had been there during the night for any reason at all. Also, when seeing the lamp on the night before, I know the funeral home was empty because I was the last person to leave. Now, these two occurrences aren't alone, but they are the most notable because I can't explain them. There are several hundred times I've felt watched or something seems to move in the corner of my eye. 
there have also been plenty of times where I hear someone whisper hello or hey in my ear. There are, they are so numerous that it's hard to keep when or how they happen straight. But I guess that's just the baggage with the job. So I do like, I do want to say that this poster is kind of just being like, yeah, there are weird vibes, but like that's expected when you work with dead people. Of course. Yeah. So now we have the second location and they say context at this location. I actually lived on the top of the funeral home for a period of six to eight months because free room and board in a fully furnished apartment and the ease of being able to just wake up and clock in in the morning without having to drive anywhere is a luxury most people don't think about. Mm. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> maybe I should be a funeral <laughs> embalmer. <laughs> so the first happening was a subtle but not so subtle moment. A few weeks into my initial move into the apartment upstairs of the funeral home, I was sleeping in my room and was awoken by the sounds of the stairs creaking as if someone was walking up them. But it was 1 a.m. and I knew no one was there but me. Because usually when a death call happens, I know about them because I'm called by my answering service to go get them. At this point, I, w I was frozen in place. Like, who in the hell would be there at this time of night without me knowing about it? All the doors are locked and to enter the funeral home, so, so is my bedroom door. The freezing continues until whatever is outside my door comes to it and knocks twice. No, Ooh, I just got I just got goosebumps. Did you? Because I did. <laughs> I, I'm, it's a big note for me. Yeah. Jump out the window. <laughs> I say nothing. After several moments of complete silence, the creaking starts again, but back down the stairwell. Oh, my God. Ooh. Yeah. Nothing else happened, but I was absolutely rattled by that experience. Whatever that was, I knew I was up there at whatever that was, knew I was up there. Um, and I didn't like that thought at all. I had no other choice but to continue to live there because my financial position at the time, I really couldn't afford anything else. And my second experience there was in the evening as well. I was eating a TV dinner in my kitchen there in the apartment. I looked up from my food and watched a doorknob turn, and the door opened as if someone had just walked through, and then it shut it back. I just sat mouth gaping and was totally flabbergasted. Love that word. Flabbergasted. <laughs> I was also there alone that night as well. No breezes or change in air pressure due to the other door closures, um, could force it open and shut and that door like it did that night. Wow. I just stumbled through that. Basically there were no other doors to move it that way. People finally, the most recent, this post is written on a Sunday, Saturday. I was sitting on the couch downstairs on break during the middle of the day. I was alone again. And then for context, if there's nothing going on as far as funerals or arrangement conferences on the weekends, we keep the doors locked and the lights off. I rose from the couch and was walking into the main hall of the funeral home, and I noticed a man standing in the doors to the funeral chapel. I said aloud to him, hey, you. He didn't turn or say anything. He just walked away from me and turned the corner. I followed him into the chapel to try to get his attention. I rounded that same corner and found absolutely nothing. By this time, I was freaking out. The man was wearing a navy blue pinstripe suit with a white collared button-up. 
gray slick back hair and was about the same height as me. He was an older fellow and was a little hunched over in the back. For reference, I'm 6'2". I immediately called the manager of the funeral home and told him what had happened and described the man. He told me that I had probably seen his old manager, who had also lived in the apartment that I did several years ago. Wow. Everything made sense in that moment. Ooh. Yeah, so this was kind of like a four-in-one, but that's kind of why I liked it, is it's very juicy and... I feel like, the, is it me, or did the second location spook you a little more than the first? Oh, a thousand percent. It was very, like, telltale heart, the first one, with the steps getting closer, right? Is that the mm-hmm. vibe? <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I, I, I just, I can't imagine... And I, like I said, I did like the author being like, yeah, okay, so shit was weird because there were dead people, but let me tell you what was really weird. Mm-hmm. But wait, there's more. <laughs> this is, yeah, exactly. This was the epitome of, but wait, there's more. <laughs> it, but it makes you wonder because you hear in the last story how more likely than not the spirit or being that he saw was the previous manor, manager of the funeral home. Mm-hmm. It makes you think if we're if we're trying to speak logics here and like in finding final resting places for spirits, some people may say, well, why would some why would a spirit's final place be their be the funeral home? Like, wouldn't they want it to be their house or mm-hmm. maybe the place they actually died or their favorite place to go to when they were alive? So that would make more sense that it's like the manager who probably spent many years of his life working there. He lived there. That was a part of his life. I, yeah. I don't, I, I, it would make more sense that it would be the manager rather than just somebody that had been laid to rest there. Um, as I think you're right. Um, something interesting also is there is a note on here um, that says the manager of the funeral home is the same as the other location. And at the first location, it was the manager's wife who had the lamp, right? Mm -hmm. So then maybe there's something going on like with this manager. Like maybe the manager draws energy. Okay. So my next story is spirit board in a haunted funeral home. Ooh, I love this. This is already good. And this was posted by user The Fat Psychic. I love that. Goals. Uh, so it starts in May 2015, Walt Marler from Elite Paranormal and now Elk Valley Paranormal asked me to join a small group of professionals to do an investigation at a funeral home in Lynchburg, Tennessee. A former group had gone there and been so rude the owner wasn't allowing any other teams to investigate the premises. Walt had convinced him that we could come in and do a professional hunt, which is what the owner wanted, without all the drama. So on May 16th, I drove to Lynchburg, which is about a two and a half hour drive from where I lived at the time, to do a non-filmed old school ghost investigation. Besides myself and Walt, the group included professional ghost investigators, Sin Schrader-Hill, Sean Rader, Adam Head, and Tommy Golden. They were all gathered outside the building when I drove up. When I do this kind of work, I do remote viewing in advance, making drawings of energy spots I sense before I see the building or know anything about the story around it. Once I find the spots, I can begin to read the story of the place. I sent photos of my drawings to Walt so that he could see that I had done the work prior to our visiting the site. The others had been there before and immediately confirmed that my remote viewing was accurate. It was going to be a good evening. 
The fact that this house was a funeral home nicely increased the creep factor, and this one was classic housed in an old Victorian-style home. Oh, I love to see it. Yes, very on brand. So when we began investigating, I showed them where I believe the most active energy port was located in a viewing room at the front right side of the house. The others had had experiences there, so they knew about where I was talking. While they use electronics for detecting energies, I brought my spiritualistic tools, my psychic ability, seance for healing and closure, and my spirit board. And when I say spirit board, I do not mean a Ouija board, although the principle is somewhat the same. (laughs) So they go on to say, a Ouija board is sold in stores as toys, but they are not toys. They are communication devices to speak to spirits using a press board and a plastic planchette, neither of which have been adequately cleansed. People who do not understand about cleansing or protection use these boards sometimes to horrible effect. A standard store Ouija board can be used for good communication if proper care is taken before the board is used, but it is far from ready straight out of the box. Also, and I cannot emphasize this, when you are finished with the session, you must always close the board and you must always say goodbye so that it is clear that you are terminating the communication. If you do prayers before you begin, Always ask for protection. People get sloppy and don't use the boards uh, and don't close the boards, leaving them as an open portal for all sorts of energies to pass through. Interesting. I didn't know about the praying and asking for protection. I never thought about that. Yes. But all this other stuff, hmm, Lily, does this almost sound really familiar? Almost like we haven't said this on the podcast like five million and two times. What could possibly go wrong? Is that what you were thinking? Yes, precisely. Okay. (laughs) So continuing, when I began working with Stormline Film Shadows Paranormal for YouTube, I was filmed using old school Victorian era methods, seance, divination, inscrying, and of course, automatic writing. We were getting over 14,000 views, including European viewers who wanted to see me use a spirit board. I usually do not use boards for reasons that I will share with you, but there was so much more demand that I do so, so that I told my producer that I would use a board, but only if I created my own. So I got a board cut to the desired size, designed the artwork, anointed and cleansed the board and set it to my vibration. Then I applied the paper to the board and sealed it and took blessed oils and anointed the back of the board as well as the front of the board. As you can see, cleansing and preparation of the board occurred while it was being put together which is one primary reason that I do not recommend manufactured Ouija's boards. Once I had the board constructed, I did a week of blessing and prayer and communication with my guides and spirits to limit what could come through. I then did an energy meditation, which created a basic energy virus protection to keep out heavier, dis, dis, um, heavier energy. Sorry. These can still communicate, but it gives them, uh, it keeps them at a distance. I purchased a planchette that is a new type that lights up around the viewer window. I cleansed it and blessed I've never heard of that before. I think that's so Yeah, cool. me neither. Um, so I cleansed it and blessed it. So a good week's worth of energy and meditation went into my own spirit board. My spirit board works incredibly fast. Within seconds after placing one's fingers on the planchette, and it is very accurate. It is a very high-frequency, positive experience. So at the funeral home, I had this board with me, but I first made contact with several spirits through my automatic writing. The most memorable entity was a man named Red. He was such a good guy energy that everyone present uh, present felt the energy and liked him. He had lived in Lynchburg, but had been killed in a construction job in Nashville. He was a jovial and considerate seeming person that the others wanted to see what he looked like. So I did a portrait later. 
When I set up this spirit board, Sin was the only member of our group brave enough to join me by placing hands on the planchette. I have found that women seem to be better with the board, so this worked well. The others gathered around and asked questions, amazed at the quick responses. Then Tommy Golden began to ask trick questions to see how accurate my board communication was. He wondered... Oh. He wa- That's smart, really smart. Yeah, I was just thinking that. He wondered if there was an Ouija board anywhere else on the property. He knew there was. I didn't. And there was a sensible question. And this was a sensible question because the funeral home was being converted into a Halloween haunted attraction. And there were a lot of different props there. And the board said yes. Tommy asked what direction. And I pointed correctly to the south end of the house and indicated it was upstairs in a closet there. I told them that it was a vintage board that had been used and left open. So energy was coming and going through that board. So Tommy and the other guys went upstairs and found the board where I said it was. They seemed shocked that I could detect that. They came back down and Tommy once again asked a trick question. Could I tell them if they had moved the board? The answer was yes. Tommy said where? And the planchette pointed to the corner and I clarified that it was in the corner in the room next to where we were sitting. Right again. Unknown to me, they had brought the board downstairs and placed it on the other side of the wall next to us. They were shocked or better yet, freaked out. (laughs) Very soon, our session came to a close because the spirits were getting tired. Afterward, we got up, went to the next room, and inspected the Ouija board. It was a vintage one from the 1930s or 40s, and though it was in its original box with the planchette intact, it was clear that the box had been opened and the board was used. Sin took a photograph of that board, and the camera picked up energies that are usually unseen. Streams of light that appeared to be spirit energy flowing into and out of the box— a very clear energy umbilical cord is clearly visible in the photo. This what? Yeah, this cord is attached to spirits, incarnate or dis- disincarnate. And oh, I thought it meant like a literal umbilical cord. I was like, <laughs> how do they know that? So I guess it was just like a long, yeah. Um, I guess, but I guess they call it probably because it's like, okay, yeah. It's that makes so much more sense. I was like, um, how do they know? <laughs> These these paranormal investigators are also part-time OBGYNs, so it makes sense. (laughs) When the entity is ready to leave the earthly plane, it follows the cord into, quote, the light, end quote. This is an amazing and rare photo that Sin allowed me to use, and this was the highlight of the whole investigation. For me, it was fantastic. It was also a dramatic illustration of what happens when you pick up a Ouija board that has not been properly constructed or the previous owner has been careless about ending a seance. It is not just an empty board. Now, for stories about other boards that should be heated to show what precautions should be taken. So my experiences as a funeral director, and um, there's actually only one here. I think that it was a double post and then edited or something. Uh, So due to my profession, I come across the dead and anything related more often than your average Joe. In the past eight years, I've been working as a funeral director here in Germany, and me and my colleagues have experienced numerous unexplainable things that stuck with us. I really can't read today. Out of these, I'd like to share one with you today that was as clear as day and surely not my imagination. The story begins at the end of a pickup in the middle of the night around 2 a.m. We had just finished rolling the casket into the cooling unit. And we're sitting by the desk desk around the corner, filling in our nighttime sheets. You need to know that our, quote, hygienic area, and, quote, 
and the makeshift office are separated by our cache of caskets waiting to be put to use. Oh my God. The light there is always off. So all the lighting you get is the faint shimmer of a cold white light coming off from the hygienic area. I looked to my left as I finished writing my timesheet and was startled to see a dark figure standing right on the walkway between the caskets illuminated from the back by the mentioned light. I slowly poked my colleague to look. He also saw the figure, and after a few seconds of blank staring, I called to it, thinking it was one of our other colleagues, maybe. No answer. So I called out a second time. Yet again, nothing. Since we had intruders in the funeral home before, both of us got up and slowly walked towards the figure, further calling out to it. About halfway towards the figure, it suddenly turned away and audibly walked out of sight towards the cooling unit. My colleague and I followed, but as we got around the corner, nothing was there. The big back door was still locked, and the only window was barred up and cluttered with stuff anyways. Out of fear of an actual intruder, we looked around, searching anywhere, but gave up eventually. Both of us are sure we saw a ghost that night, since it was too clear to just be some strange shadow. I'd be happy to hear your thoughts on that, because we are still looking for some explanation. Um, and then there were, you know, some regular comments. Um, I've seen something. This is uh, Tay Geta Carella, which I'm saying wrong. But I thought this one was cool. It says, I'm, I've seen something similar. Uh, at my workplace, I care for the elderly and dying. A lot of staff say the place is haunted, and there have been a couple of deaths since I worked there. I was helping feed a woman in one room on my own. There was another woman feeding a resident in another room down the hall. I heard footsteps coming up to a room I was in, and I could see a dark shape of somebody, of a body of somebody standing by the doorway to my room. I could see through the crack of the door. They had stopped suddenly as if they were looking in on me. They were turned towards me. Then they passed on down the hallway. I could hear their footsteps. Then the carer came out of the same room and walked up the hallway. And I wondered why two caretakers for helping someone eat. The resident they were feeding cannot move at all. So it wasn't them, but they were very ill at the time. There was no one else there. And I don't know who I saw come down the hall first. No one else was around at all, but they looked dark and could not see any face. So this was interesting because I think it must have been like, kind of like a hospice situation. Mm -hmm. And that's another place that people are pretty close to the end. And you can imagine maybe, I don't know, maybe someone had actually like, passed away that night that's kind of what i thought was you know there was another resident maybe saying goodbye to the other people they had met i don't know how social hospice is um i hope to never know <laughs> well i mean more on that in a couple decades but here's hoping see i it, it makes sense when you said that you're so close to the one side it, it gave me this theory when we went back to funeral homes and why would somebody uh, why, why would somebody haunt a funeral home? Mm -hmm. But you have to think of it as just like hospitals, hospitals show the beginning of life and they also mm -hmm. show the end of life. Like there is always energies that describe the beginning and the end of our life cycle. Mm -hmm. 
So you're going to be getting all these different energies manipulated in a hospital. And so that makes sense that there may be darker energies um, or just energies at all in a place like a hospice place or a funeral home, because at the end of the day, they, they're so close to the other side Mm -hmm. on one end. That's so true. It's like the kids who can remember like a past life or, um, kids who report seeing their grandfather or something when they had passed away just before, like they're so close to that other side. Um, as you said, d- like dark entities or whatever, I immediately thought, what if this was the grim fucking reaper? Like, I'm not a fan of that either. No, stop I it. don't know. Yeah. Like, what if that was it? I, I there's think of that. Yeah. So I thought it was kind of cool. Also, for some reason, the thread on that, if you guys, um, do end up reading that and you read the comment thread, there's a lot of people kind of sharing little stories. And one person just commented, hey, fellow funeral worker. <laughs> I thought that was cute. But there was a pretty large thread of comments and a community that I didn't even know existed of like funeral directors and embalmers and morticians and everything on Reddit because they're all commenting, oh, well, when I worked at, like, it's something you don't even think of, you know? I think that's awesome, though, because when you work in such a dark environment where typically it's very (laughs) negative energy-based because people are sad, people are frustrated, people are mad, people are sad, Mm -hmm. you kind of, you you deal with having to emotionally detach from all the people that you encounter, that to have that kind of emotional support group even if it's online, it's probably such a beautiful outlet to just like let it go and be like, okay, like we all know that this industry like isn't really like status quo, like what normal society thinks like we should be doing, but like yeah, it's done. So we yeah, someone's got to do it. Yeah, I think that's beautiful that they have this Reddit community to be able to talk about these experiences, so that these people know they're not going fucking crazy. Exactly. Yeah, that's always definitely always important. I hope there's a pod paranormal podcaster community on reddit we should look into <laughs> we should we do yeah okay yeah um, we were talking about haunted funeral homes not shitty parents okay um <laughs> so this is titled haunted funeral home and this uh this reddit user is named smokeahontist 11 <laughs> i that I kind of want to do a spin on this for a Halloween costume, but I also don't want to culturally appropriate. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, do with that what you must do things. Yeah, we'll get a, if there are any real descendants of Pocahontas, we'll maybe see if they're not offended by <laughs> making life out of a pun. <laughs> How cool would that be if we have like boo things dress up as us for Halloween? Oh my God. Can someone do um, that? Can, can someone, can somebody, with your significant other or like your friend, can somebody, even if you go, don't even go out as us, just like pretend that we're famous and just, just dress up as us for a hot second. Like what you think yeah. you look like and then tag us at. Just Believe Things Podcast. We will do a repost. We will do a repost for you and a mention on our story and a shout out on the podcast for we whoever will. does their best Rebecca and Lily impression. You will repost the fuck out of you. Like, the fuck out of you if you do that. So, you know, do it. You know, maybe uh, take that hint. Yeah. Wink, wink. (laughs) Not even a half hour ago, I just had one of the freakiest paranormal experiences I've had in a while. So to give you some backstory, I live in an apartment attached to a funeral home. 
I'm a mortuary science student and I work for this funeral home to get experience while I'm in school to be a mortician. The funeral home happened to have a vacant apartment set privately in the back that I couldn't possibly turn down as I moved away from home for the school and I needed an inexpensive place to live. Since the day I moved in, I've been having notable paranormal experiences. For a couple months, I kept them to myself, not wanting to seem like I was feeding into some spooky funeral home stigma or making it up. But eventually I was experiencing enough that I had to bring it up to a coworker of mine and she confirmed that she and a few other employees had seen and heard the same things I have. That being said, it's not news to any of us that the place is haunted, if that's what you call it. Now, on to my story. Today, after I got home from classes and went home, I was feeling extremely uneasy. My apartment felt extra dark and I felt sort of jumpy. I was standing in my bathroom braiding my hair and one of my coworkers texted me. She said she has this weird feeling and asks me to go check the front doors of the funeral home to make sure they're locked. I read her text as I braided my hair and her next message pops up, quote, I'm 99% sure I locked it, but I just have a nagging feeling about something, end quote. That's the worst. I'm going to shit my pants. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) I told her I'd go check. I finished braiding my hair and slipped on my shoes and walked to the door in my apartment that opens up into the back of the funeral home. The lights are off and I don't bother turning them on as the motion sensors in the hallway already kicks on by themselves. I made my way to the front lobby, which was dark, not counting the light through the front door windows. I walked to the front doors and pushed. Sure enough, both unlocked. At that moment, I had a really heavy feeling, like someone was behind me or watching me. I kept turning around to look, but standing by the light at the doors and looking into the dark lobby made it almost impossible to see. I hurried up and locked the doors and made my way back through the lobby. As I was about to enter the hallway, I hear a little girl giggling. Oh, fuck no. I stopped dead in my tracks for a moment, just at the end of her giggling. It sounded like it was coming from behind a door, not six feet away from me. I got chills on my entire body and hightailed it back into the lit hallway and into my doorway. I locked the door behind me and immediately heard a loud bang from a room in the funeral home. I have no idea what it was, but it was loud. And I'm not going, I'm not about to go check. <laughs> As I was standing there shitting my pants, I texted my coworker back saying, quote, the doors were both unlocked, end quote. And as I'm typing her my story of what happened, she says, quote, I don't know, man. It's I've been acting. I've been getting weird vibes in there all day. End quote. I think maybe it's safe to say the spirits in here are extra active today. It had been a few weeks since I had anything too strange happen, but now I'm extremely on edge. There are two spirits that myself, as well as three other coworkers, have all seen. One is of a little girl. She looks maybe eight years old. She's slightly taller than average, and she shows herself so briefly. You wonder if you even saw it. I would almost say she looks 10, but when we hear her giggle, she sounds like a young girl of maybe six years old. The other is a tall, shadow-like man who wears a long black coat and a black hat. He is an entirely different story, though. I'm chilled right now. Some days... Um, What? The hat man? Uh, Yes, yes, yes. Anyone mayhaps the hat man? I'm so glad you picked up on that because I was going to comment on that at the end. But yes, Hatman vibes, 1,000. Sorry, I got excited. No, I'm okay. I'm glad. I'm glad you caught <laughs> I'm chilled right now. Some days in here feel weirder than others. And tonight seems and feels like the kind where I probably won't get any sleep. I feel so anxious right now. Usually these things happen in waves. So I feel like I'm just waiting for the next thing to happen. 
Thanks for reading. All right, Boo Things. You can follow us on Instagram at Just Ghouly Things Podcast. Our personal Instagrams at Rebecca Ruber and at Lily Baldessari. Twitter, JGT Podcast. Facebook like page, Just Ghouly Things Podcast. Facebook private group, Just Ghouly Things Podcast group. Donate to that Patreon. Just Ghouly Things Podcast. And we will have some exclusive Disney content mm. on there. Yep. Um, you can totally purchase that merch that you'll see us rocking in the Disney World parks at T Public. I forgot what it's called. <laughs> Tpublic.com slash and search just ghouly things or RebeccaRuber.com slash shop where you can get things for all of her podcasts. All of them. And if you or someone you know has a paranormal experience that they think to share on our show, feel free to email us at justghoulythingspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, Boo Things, and we will talk to Boo next week. Goodbye. Alex Knight, the world's foremost authority on Bigfoot research, heads to Canada to investigate a profoundly incredible Bigfoot encounter. His daughter, Sydney, eagerly joins the expedition. Accompanied by reluctant Toronto television hostess Amira Ali, Sid and her father's team adventure north in pursuit of the legendary Sasquatch. Prophecy from a forgotten Algonquin tribe and a mystical calling deeply connects Sydney to the creature. The revelation of unknown truths ensures that Sydney will never see the forest or herself the same again. Get your copy of James Allen Ross's Spirit of the Woods, the story of a young woman's encounter with Bigfoot. Now for the price of $9.99 paperback and $0.99 on Kindle. Available on Amazon now.